Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to the playoffs. TCU versus Michigan, Georgia versus Ohio State. Stetson Bennett goes for back-to-back national championships, and you can be ready for all the action with BetOnline Sportsbook. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus using the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back to the show, our friend Razor Rosenthal, gambling expert over at Beer Life Sports, getting ready for uh, the new year, the first week of uh, the new year and uh, some playoff action. So, uh, Razor, wanted to see how you were doing, how you were feeling, how's uh, life been treating you this year? Uh, in 2023, we've had some ups and downs uh, in, in the gambling space, uh, really had my heart broken by... Uh, the, uh, the UCLA money line, as you saw on Twitter, going back and forth on, can't remember whose post that was, but uh, that was a, what a, that's a brutal beat right there. Uh, that, yeah, that, was, that one was funny. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Razor lost on a last second oh. end of game field goal. Um, don't, don't bet on UCLA. That's, that's just torment. Yeah. Well, they, they, they deserve to lose that game. They just, you know, they didn't put anything together in the second half. Uh, Kind of got my revenge with the Georgia money line against Ohio State. I should not have won that game, but I did. So um, very up and down so far. Listen, the bowl season is difficult. The playoffs are difficult. Um, you, you can't really figure out these college kids sometimes. The motivation factor, is it there? It certainly was not there for UCLA. Uh, in the second half, they, they came out sleepwalking. So a tough one there. Uh, college hoops has been really tricky i mean last night man if you played all underdogs blindly kyle you are cashing tickets left and right providence beating yukon the wolf pack of nc state beating duke by about 80 i don't know what the final score was but boy did the wolf pack destroy duke by maybe 30 points um baylor losing a heartbreaker to tcu dominating that game so uh very tricky college basketball season thus far but I always subscribe to college basketball plays as something you want to do post Super Bowl to really start making money on the teams that have kind of given up uh, in their kind of like Major League Baseball. These teams kind of tank at the end of the summer in MLB, and some of these bad conference teams really just fall apart after the Super Bowl time frame of early mid February when they don't have too much to play for. So uh, proceed with caution if you're taking some of these big favorites here uh, in the next few weeks uh, in college hoops. What'd you make of what happened in the playoffs? Uh, obviously, TCU and Michigan had uh, just absolute chaos that I hope you weren't gambling on. And then, of course, what yeah, happened with yeah. Ohio State, Georgia? Yeah, I had Michigan money line uh, parlay with something that obviously lost, but I did take TCU at, at plus eight or eight and a half to just make sure that we hedged there. That really never was in doubt, the plus eight and eight and a half, but the Michigan money line really should have came home. Um, you know, we can blame the officiating, which I thought was pretty awful in the first half. A lot of missed calls there. Obviously, the touchdown pass uh, should have just, I mean, that was ridiculous. How, does, how do you overturn that? But it really all starts with uh, the execution of fourth and goal from the two-yard line. I'm okay, I'm okay going for it. Obviously, I would have loved to take in the three points there, but, you know, running a Philly special with a team that has been run down your throat type of uh, squad what happened uh, to establish the run jim and what yeah, happened just, to all those years of establish the run <laughs> so we really have to do our homework and think about this before you consider putting michigan in a money line parlay in these spots shame on me because uh jim harbar has won as many games as you and i have uh in college football in the bowl season that's zero so i uh, probably should have taken that into account that he may get out coached surprisingly by sunny dykes he 100% did. I mean, just a lot of foolish mistakes on both sides of the ball. And Michigan, uh, the only shining uh, bright spot, I thought, for Michigan in the first half was that 50-something, 50 57-yard field goal that I think gave Michigan a little bit of hope to make it a two-possession game, I believe down 21-6 at the break. I felt, I felt like that, that gave me hope that the money line would come in. 
and just in an easy, perfect spot to cover the TCU plus eight. Would have liked to come home with both of those plays, but at least we got home with TCU. Did the same thing with Ohio State. Had Ohio State plus four and a half and Georgia on the money line. That came home, went two and two there. Um, I think Ohio State was the vastly better team. I would have loved to see Ohio State, Michigan. I think we talked about this on your podcast a few weeks ago. We never got to see, you never get to see these two teams play on a neutral field. So that would have been exciting to see them play out in Los Angeles. Um, boy, that, that secondary of Georgia is very suspect. We saw what even Missouri did to them. Can't even imagine, uh, you know, what, what Ohio State could have done. And we should have saw that coming. And I think, I think Vegas took a big hit on that play. I think, I think a lot of players, square and sharp, took the Buckeyes against the spread in Georgia money line. So the worst result for the books happened on New Year's Eve night uh, in Atlanta. And I, I think the better team was Ohio State, but the team that won is not the Buckeyes. It's going to be Georgia as a 13.5-point favorite in L.A. Really, really tough to make this one out. I mean, I, I'm i leaning TCU with the points, but you got to think that Georgia is going to figure this, this defense out after that horrible performance. Yeah, I mean, TCU beat Michigan, which was wild. And at the same time, kind of recognize that, like, Georgia has five stars up and down that roster and TCU does not. And so at a certain point, like, I understand why Georgia is the same level of favorite as like uh, that Oklahoma versus Clemson game from four years ago. Like, I understand why that's the case. And I I mean, I expect Georgia to win, but wouldn't it be cool if TCU did? You know, the the 2013 Auburn story actually finishes with a national championship. That would be awesome. But I just I'm realistic about the fact that it probably won't. Yeah, I would think Georgia, you know, if you have the ability to play Georgia and marry them this weekend with an NFL team on the money line, I think that's pretty much a it's not a sure thing. Nothing is a sure thing with college football and college hoops. These are young men at ages 18 to 22. Uh, I think Georgia will win this game. I'm willing to bet that as a fact. That's a major price tag of minus six dollars to do that. But if you can, like I said, pair them up with the Eagles, pair them up with the San Francisco 49ers and a money line parlay. I'm down with that. I think that's a play for me, Kyle. If I marry the Eagles uh, with the Niners and the Georgia Bulldogs on the money line, I feel like you'll get that ticket down to minus 200, which isn't too rich for my blood, as we know. But uh, obviously not a play at minus 600 alone. Can you imagine something goes wrong and, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to win a $200 bet, which is, you know, a a standard bet for you know some people, right? And that's that's some rich for others, but you got to risk twelve hundred dollars to do that. It's very foolish. So uh, you mentioned before Jim Harbaugh having never won a bowl game and doing your research on that one. In my my, my mind, clicked like has Sonny Dykes ever won a bowl game? Because I know that he he coached you know at Louisiana Tech and Cal and SMU. I'm like I don't remember them ever playing in like meaningful bowl games, but. Uh, apparently, Sonny Dykes has won one bowl game prior to this year's Fiesta Bowl, which was uh, the Armed Forces Bowl in 2015 when he was coach at Cal. And uh, that is the only bowl game that Sonny Dykes has won in his entire coaching career. So um, only when he had Jared Goff as his quarterback did Sonny Dykes ever yeah. win a bowl game. Well, that's 100% more than Jim. So good for Sonny, right? And uh, shame on me for trusting Jim in a big spot. But Listen, I think I make that bet over again the same way, right? So we don't start off with the Philly special. We don't get the egregious uh, call. And I'll tell you what, what was more egregious than calling that ball at the half-yard line was the the handoff to a, a guy that comes in maybe, what, seven, eight times per year. He's a linebacker, comes in as a fullback and fumbles the ball. I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, why are we not putting uh, J.J. under center and just running the QB sneak one time, two times, three times, four times. And if they get us after four times, okay, you can have the ball at the half yard. It doesn't make sense. These guys are paid millions of dollars. And I, I don't know the schematics of football. I don't try to pretend that I do. But if you give me the headset there, Kyle, it's just such easy math and such easy coaching decisions. And it just didn't happen. I think that those two plays set the tone for TCU to give themselves a ton of hope and good for them. They're in an interesting spot uh, to win the national championship, but I see this Georgia winning. I like TCU to maybe have the back door open 
maybe they're down 17. Georgia pulls the starters. They're celebrating with two minutes and 10 seconds left in the game. And TCU goes down the field for a touchdown. So um, don't love it, but uh, wouldn't, wouldn't lay a lot on Georgia minus the 13 or 14 points. Yeah, TCU's going to need a couple pick sixes if they're going to win this game the way that they beat Michigan is with yep. chaos football and a couple pick sixes mixed in between. Because uh, for all the for all the analysis, having seven touchdowns scored in six minutes and 20 seconds of game time was awesome. <laughs> so if we can get a game like that, even if TCU comes up short, it's going to be way more fun. Well, tell that it was awesome that somebody who bet huge on the under, they probably would not agree with you there you know, but at a certain there point if you can't enjoy if you can't enjoy yeah, people going 75 yards up and down the field like forget your bet man They're, this is just great football at a certain point <laughs> that's fair no i agree i think you have to appreciate the chaos that transpired in both games i thought i mean listen I, I was listening to a podcast on the Visa Network maybe a few days ago, and the debate was, is this one of the greatest Final Fours that we've ever seen in both college football basketball? I think you can make an argument. I mean, any great Final Fours have we seen were both college football and basketball game really good and kind of came down to the last drive. And let's, let's before we conclude this conversation, I give Michigan about a 21% chance. That may be high, but I've seen crazier stuff happen to win this if they call it targeting and they have the ball at, at their own 40. I mean, these defenses were not good on Saturday night or whatever night. that I think it was Saturday night. And I think <laughs> Michigan had a chance. I think they had a chance to, you know, it would have taken three plays uh, to get to 60 yards, but I give them a 20% chance, which is enough to – to really, you know, have a glimmer of hope there. And boy, I cannot believe they didn't call targeting there. I mean, I get it because it's such a huge moment in the season. But I look at it like this. If this replay was going uh, to be, you know, shown on September 26, TCU versus Texas Tech, I think 100% chance they say, yeah, this is targeting. You know, we're, we're, we're moving on. First down and 10, Texas Tech. But I think the magnitude of the Final Four had something to do with it. They didn't want it to end on that, or they didn't want to you know, change anything because of that, which I thought was inappropriate. I think it's targeting. I think Michigan had a small chance, but I want to throw that out. Everything kind of went TCU's way. A lot of it was self-inflicted by the Wolverines. Yeah, until TCU started giving those plays back. But you have, obviously, the touchdown called back, and then they fumble at the goal line. You have the the targeting call at the end of the game. I saw Michigan people or people rooting for Jim Harbaugh were upset with the officiating. And that's it's going to be part of the story. I... I don't do officiating mistakes or arguments anymore after that Rams Saints NFC championship game. That was the end of me caring about officiating because it's imperfect science. I understand the the complaints coming in at the end, especially from that game with the magnitude of what it was. Because like you said, there, even if it's a 20, 25 percent chance, it at least keeps Michigan in the game while they're uh, they're in what I call Kirk Cousins purgatory of being down six with no timeouts left and needing to go bombs away against the TCU defense. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I think you've got to give them a puncher's chance uh, against a, a defense that has been shredded all second half. So Michigan used to be a bit of a little brother, or a little bit of a bigger brother to Ohio State, especially uh, right before the Trestle years. It, they were, and I think that's going to be the case maybe for a couple years now, and I think that's going to give recruits a lot of hope to land in Ann Arbor, and I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of with you on that fact. I think that Michigan is going to be okay, even if it's not making the playoff every year. Still, the fact that they've made it two years in a row puts Michigan back in that tier two group where they can uh, potentially get a five-star quarterback like J.J. McCarthy to come play for their school and still have uh, at least one year remaining at Michigan. So I think they've got uh, they've got something building there. Ohio State, I think it's a machine. There's nothing to freak out about there in terms of... Uh, getting back to the playoff they're they're going to run through the big 10 again next year they've got all these five-star recruits coming in they're they're going to be fine even if you subtract stroud and uh some of those guys on defense or jackson smith and jigba who obviously didn't play in the game against georgia yeah disappointing that he didn't play can you imagine if they had that arsenal of wide receivers uh against georgia how is georgia stopping that 
They didn't even stop them without him. I mean, it's just fascinating how Ohio State has had such amazing wide receivers that are now playing in the NFL. I mean, look at Alave. Look at Wilson. These guys, how did Ohio State not reach the Final Four last year? You have to almost question what's going on with the offensive scheming when they're losing one one of these big games per year. And obviously, it's to the likes of Michigan. But, man, this team is loaded. Alave and Wilson sat out the Rose Bowl last year. And yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. had 200 yards and Jackson Smith and Jigba had 300 yards receiving. And then he subtracted Jackson Smith and Jigba for the game against Michigan. And I know they lost badly, but their leading receiver was Egbuka, who number one recruit in the 2021 class just keeps sliding in first round receivers. One drops out, slide in another first round receiver. Like I said, Ohio State's like a machine at this point, the same way that Georgia is a machine in the same way that Alabama has been a machine for a decade. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I'm, I think, I think you just mentioned the three schools that there in 2023, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, not a whole lot changing. TCU is definitely the story. See, we're getting every year now, one team to really break up the party with the blue bloods, Cincinnati last year, TCU this year, and TCU finally breaks down the wall. Now I think we're like, okay, the team belongs Cincinnati. They didn't belong last year. I mean, I would have said similar things about TCU this year, and then they beat yeah. Michigan with two pick sixes. It's it's kind of incredible that they're here. Like I said, it's it's 2013 Auburn all over again when talking about what TCU has done in terms of just the sheer improbability of making it this far. It's uh, it, it doesn't happen often in college football, just as it happens every so often in college basketball the tournament single elimination gives you at least a better chance for a Loyola Chicago or a a St. Peter's or something like that but it doesn't doesn't usually make it to the championship game I mean we're talking about like what Butler in 2010 being the last time a team like that made it to the championship game I, I mean it doesn't happen very often but when it does it's a super cool story it is I agree All right, so I wanted to pivot to talking about some of the NFL action coming up and wild cards and stuff like that. But uh, before we do that, uh, obviously, you're a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. Um, I'm guessing you were probably watching on Monday when DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, So I just wanted to turn over to you and see if you had anything you wanted to say about that situation. Well, what hasn't been said already, right? You know, it's uh, yes, I was watching. The only thing that really bothered me, and I don't want to go into it too much, because I think it's it's such a sensitive topic, right? Um, but you know, the only th- I could not believe that there was a consideration for a, a small pause, right? Um, and that to me kind of showed you where the NFL is for that quick decision making that should have simply said, "Gentlemen, we're going home." That's it. Other than that, the medical staff, incredible job to keep this guy alive. The coaching staffs on both sides of the ball, man, they did the right thing, showed a lot of class, um, a lot of gratitude to Coach Taylor on the other side. Um, What can you say? I mean, I, I posted this on my Facebook account that this is inevitable, unfortunately, in this violent game. And what I meant by that was we may see somebody pass. And I thought that could be the case. And I don't think it is, thank God. But we gotta, we have to appreciate what these guys put themselves through. It's a violent game. And I would be hypocritical to say that they shouldn't play because I love watching it, supporting it, betting it. And it's not my role to say that. But we have to figure out how to protect these guys somehow, some way. And I don't have an answer for that, but um, that's all I have to say about Hamlin. And, uh, you know, obviously we all, we all are very difficult, difficult thing to see. Never seen, never have seen anything like that before um, and hope to never see anything like that again. Yeah. And for those listening, it's about one o'clock on Thursday when we're recording the latest update is that, uh, he is at least responsive. He's able to 
to grab the hand of people that he knows he's been awake, according to Kair Elam, who is his teammate. He was the first round pick for the Bills last year. Um, so that's all the information we have as as it relates to that situation and everything that's developed in the, I guess, 48 hours since the last time we talked about it on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, you know, transitioning at this point here, obviously that game's not going to get replayed at any point here. So Buffalo and Cincinnati will just have one fewer game at the end of the season at this point. So, uh, I know that you were obviously transitioning to Buffalo and being part of the Bills fandom. I know that that's a, a difficult situation to lump onto a season of expectations and with everything that's happening right now in Buffalo with what happened with the storm and rebuilding after that. It has been a, certainly a difficult time for, for Buffalo Bills fans and Buffalo at large. Western New York, the Buffalo Bills, excuse me, the Buff, uh, city of Buffalo has suffered a lot. Uh, this year and uh, there's you know obviously there was I believe a mass shooting there back uh, back in the spring I don't want to sound mm-hmm. ignorant there but I know there yeah. was something that went wrong yeah I mean tough tough community good people um, and uh, listen you know I don't know what it's like to go out and compete at a high level when a teammate is in this situation uh, I don't have a projection for this team do they lay down in New England I don't know. Do they go out there and do the let's play for him deal and blow them out? Maybe. I think it's uh, now we we have to trade. We have to transition. Like you said, we have to transition into um, the season. Okay, like we're going to play the season. So now we have to talk about that's the one thing I feel like people are scared to talk about. But let's talk about it because this the show is going to go on. So. What is going to happen to the Bills here, to me, is going to really... We're going to find out a lot about the Bills uh, by 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. Because if they yeah. come out and punch punch New England in the mouth, this team is, I think, going to be fine for the playoffs. Yeah, and I would have said, without the new information that we have today, that people have been able to be at the hospital with him and... Uh, that he's responsive. I think that before that, I would have said they probably wouldn't have played the game on Sunday if they didn't have a positive update as it related to to DeMar Hamlin's status. I think that this probably gives them, trying to put myself in an impossible situation and empathize with them, this puts them in a situation where the healing can perhaps begin and they don't have to have an immediate, you know, concern for his well-being and wondering whether he's going to make it out so um, I think the positive news might push them in that direction I I think that they're probably more likely that they'll play on Sunday and uh, like you said that it football football moves on I found it incredibly noble that the sports world at large basically paused for like two days when this happened which there usually stories like this don't put the sports world on pause. I, I'll never forget when Kobe Bryant's death put the sports world on pause for a week, and I'd never seen anything like it before. Um, yeah. So having this be a moment that stopped the sports world for even two days was something that I was not anticipating. So the fact that that happened, I think, is noble and gave an opportunity to reflect and Possibly institute change. I know the Players Association's outlined ways to help improve player safety, not necessarily specific to what happened to Hamlin. We talked about that on Wednesday. So the fact that the sports world paused for two days was pretty remarkable to me. And now that you have a positive status update, I think Buffalo probably does end up playing on Sunday. Yeah. And let's talk about this game before the tragedy, the incident. Mm -hmm. Um, The better team was Cincinnati. Very early on, the Buffalo Bills had no answer for this team. I think Cincinnati is going down the field. If nothing transpires there with Hamlin, it's 14-3. Willing to bet a lot of money on that if we can take a time machine and go back and, and nothing happened to Hamlin. This team is loaded, Kyle. And the Buffalo Bills, now they're going to get Cincinnati likely in the semifinals. And they didn't, you know, if you're the Bills, you wanted to avoid this team at all costs in the playoffs. Um, this team can travel. They went on the road. Their defense is better than Kansas City. Their defense, I think, if they're healthy, is better than Buffalo. And now their offense is probably better than both Buffalo and Kansas City. You have seen Pat Mahomes 
and Josh Allen make extremely foolish mistakes, especially in the red zone, more so Josh Allen, but not Burrow. This is the best team in the AFC. And what they did to Buffalo on that first drive and what they were doing to Buffalo on that second drive leads me to believe that Cincinnati is probably the team to beat. Now, this incident changes a lot, right? The Cincinnati, how did Cincinnati react to this whole incident? You know, maybe, maybe it derails them a little bit. Maybe they have a hiccup when they play potentially, I don't know, maybe they play the Chargers in the first round and, and the Chargers get hot. And Cincinnati is just in a bad spot because they're remembering what transpired two weeks earlier. The Cincinnati is definitely a wild card, but I think they are the best team in the AFC. And I think they're probably the best team in the NFL. Yeah, you said that the last time that we were on the show, uh, which was coming off of the um, the the Kansas City Cincinnati game, that Cincinnati is the best team in the AFC, and I mean, God, they match up so well against Kansas City. And for those who for those who are wondering, um, basically the 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 Buffalo Cincinnati game is not going to be replayed, and so as a result of that, uh, Cincinnati basically clinches the AFC North as a result of that result. And Kansas City just has to beat the Raiders and they get the number one seed in the AFC, which, as Razor said, it changed the 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 seeding landscape of the NFL. And as we roll along, it'll be something that comes into focus probably next week once all the week 18 games are played and we see how the playoff breakdown goes. Um, but it, it, it's interesting to watch that play out. Cause like you said, Cincinnati for being the best team possibly in the AFC, according to you is going to play road playoff game in Buffalo road playoff game in Kansas city, back to back, presuming they win their first one against likely the chargers, which is not an easy game either way. The, uh, the bills in the chargers, excuse me, the bills in the Bengals are the big losers here. Uh, of course, again, trying to be sensitive here, but it is what it is. The, the, the show is going on. So, the Bills and the, uh, the, the Bengals are big losers here because Buffalo now could find themselves playing with a healthy Tua, which has been a nightmare for Buffalo this year in, in the 2-7 in the game. So that, that's going to be a problem. And then you have the Bengals coming to town. And then, of course, on the flip side, Cincinnati is going to host a very hot Chargers team who is finding their way on both offense and defense not against great opponents, but listen, they're winning, and it's not easy to win the NFL. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but haven't the Chargers won four in a row, maybe five? The Chargers are win. The Chargers are on a four-game win streak, and they've okay. won five of six. Okay, that's a good team. They're a good team. Um, I'm not. I'm not that impressed with their run defense, and I think that. Bur- uh, I think that. You know, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have the running game to you know to hurt them. That's going to set up. The passing game, but still a brutal matchup if you're Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati beats Buffalo. Uh, man, they are in good shape right there. You know, and Buffalo beats Cincinnati. Obviously, they're in great shape. So, boy, I'll tell you who the big winners are. Kansas City ticket holders to win the ASC. Because mm-hmm. I don't see Kansas City taking – I mean, I can't say I don't see it because it could happen, but – if you can avoid the Bills or the Bengals in the in the final four, like Kansas City likely will, that is a huge advantage. Huge advantage to play either Baltimore or Jacksonville in, in the semifinals of the ASC. Um, one other thing that I heard today on the Lombardi line on Beeson is that the NFL, because of this crazy scenario that happened, is considering playing the AFC championship game on a neutral field. Um, if it, Cause it affects both Cincinnati and Buffalo's chances. Mm-hmm. That could have been the one seat. Um, I, I don't know if I'm okay with that. I feel like it's a disservice to the season ticket holders of Kansas city who spend a lot of money and a lot of time. It's not their fault. What transpired um, as a bills fan, if we get to the AFC championship game, would I love to see it played in the New Orleans Superdome or in Atlanta? Of course. I, I think the Bills will struggle in Orchard Park with their offense because they don't have a great running game, Kyle. If it's 10 degrees and 30-mile-per-hour winds, 
which is very realistic come January 28th, whenever the ASU championship is, right? Um, yeah. I think they're better off in a controlled environment. That's not rocket science, but I don't know how much the home field matters to a team that cannot run the ball. Yeah, this it's it's what you're it's the Green Bay Packers syndrome of like, yeah, the Packers would get to the playoffs every year and then they'd play in Lambeau and having Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers doesn't help when you're playing in Lambeau because I mean, we saw the playoff game last year with the Packers. Like anyone could have won that game against the Packers and the 49ers. Like it was abject chaos. The Niners blocked a punt and blocked a field goal. Like the, the game was absolutely insane and yeah, it's it's that classic case all over again. And it's not like Kansas City isn't cold. It's just probably not going to be as brutal as Buffalo come Jan. I mean, the last four AFC championship games have been in Kansas City, and we haven't really had a major weather event happen at any of those games. So I, I get that part. But yeah, I mean, if Buffalo wins out, then they are the number one seed. So the neutral field idea is in a way fair. I think I just think logistically it would be interesting to watch that play out. Cause like you said, if they're playing that game halfway between Kansas city and Buffalo, so say they played in Indianapolis, like, and, and you get the game where Mahomes and Josh Allen, half the stadiums, Kansas city, half the stadiums, Buffalo. And you have, uh, you have whatever, um, <laughs> a 45-45 shootout because both of those teams can play their style of football in a controlled environment. I mean, Product-wise, it would be cool. And I think in the spirit of fairness, it's an idea. Uh, I just, I assumed that they would just have Kansas City get the number one seed. But again, it's a, it's an impossible situation. I'm sure logistically they'll figure it out eventually. I think that Kansas City will host throughout. I don't think they'll pivot to it. But you mentioned a lot of great points. Put it in Indianapolis or Detroit would be my guess. One of those two cities. Indianapolis would probably be the worst of between Atlanta and Detroit just because of flights. If they're really doing this the right way for uh, travelers, Detroit and Atlanta are Delta hubs. Much easier to navigate to those two airports than it is Indianapolis where they don't host any airline hubs. You're always going to have to pay a lot more money to fly into Indy. New Orleans is a Southwest hub. We know what's going on with, with Southwest Airlines right now. Um, I, I think if it's going to happen, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta or Detroit hosted. Um, and that would be the best case scenario for the Bills or the Bengals because I think Cincinnati fans are going to travel down to Atlanta. They can, And the thing is, Cincinnati fans can drive to either one of those venues. Theoretically, if you live in Southern Ohio, it's a manageable drive to either Atlanta or Detroit. But I think the, the scheme of things, Kansas City ticket holders, you should be pretty happy. Future holders, you got yourself a chance to now uh, have a path of avoiding bo playing both Cincinnati and Buffalo. Yeah, and I, I shouldn't have immediately put Buffalo in the AFC Championship because, again, Cincinnati's going to play Buffalo either as a 3-2 or a 2-3 in some order, you know, assuming that those teams take care of business in their wildcard games, then that'll be the, the circumstance that plays out. I mean, if New England does beat Buffalo this weekend and New England gets the seven seed, Cincinnati just has to beat Baltimore and then they're the two seed. So then they would theoretically host Buffalo in the same stadium where we just saw everything happen last week. And I don't want to jump that far ahead to what would happen with all the all the reliving all the traumas of what happened three weeks ago. I don't want to play that scenario out, but you know, there, there's so much at stake there. And I think if you're Buffalo, I mean, the part that feels tough, if it like as a tertiary factor of being tough besides the players and besides um, DeMar Hamlin and his family himself is like, we talked about the, everything that's happened in Buffalo over the last year and just the hope that this season provided because this was their best chance to win a Super Bowl like this year was the year to win it and everything that's piled on top of it to to relive that situation would be just so crazy to watch play out I just I can't imagine being in that situation and I I can't imagine how this is all going to play out over the next three weeks it's it's going to be certainly an experiment in either sports psychology or just dealing with trauma and emotions in the football locker room. It's, it's going to be 
it's going to be so difficult to watch it all play out just because of all the unknowns and all that these players and this community is carrying with them. Well, let me just tell you this. Getting back to football here and matchups. I said this mm-hmm. about 10 minutes ago. I'll say this again before we move on to the NFC. The Bills do not match up well with a healthy Tua. You saw it down in Miami Gardens. Bills should have won that game. Maybe, maybe not. They did not. Miami mm-hmm. had their chances in Orchard Park about four weeks ago. The seventh seed, if, if it is Miami and Tua is in the game, it's not. Watch out. Uh, you know, if you're a Bills fan and you're the two seed, you want to see those guys from Central PA come into town because Pittsburgh just does not have the weapons to do anything against the Bills. They cannot match points with Buffalo. We've seen that the last two seasons where Buffalo – Actually, I think last year the Bills lost to the Steelers week one, but this year obviously uh, blowing them out in Orchard Park. So I I think Pittsburgh would be the ideal situation. I don't think Tua is playing this week against the Jets. If I have that right, I I could be wrong. Yeah, Tua is still in concussion. Teddy Bridgewater has, a, I think, a fractured hand, but they're still not sure if he's going to play or not. Um, But it's looking like Skylar Thompson for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so I think that's a coin flip. Anyone who bets that game is really out of their mind. I mean, the Jets are going to play motivated football. I think that's an angry team coming down to Miami Gardens, Kyle. I don't. I want no part of the Miami Dolphins on, on a bet. Maybe going live. Maybe the Jets. Maybe they look like they're tanking, and the the, the Miami Dolphins come out firing. I, I don't know. I don't want any part of that game. But um, the Bills, boy, they they're not going to play New England. So, obviously, if they lose to New England, they're going to drop to the three seed more than likely, unless the Ravens win. So, if you're Baltimore, let's, let's pivot now from Buffalo, if you don't mind, because yeah. you know, we've talked about them a lot. The, Baltimore cannot win the AFC North. Do we have that right if this game is not being played? If, um, if Buffalo and Cincinnati does not get replayed, then Baltimore can't win the AFC North. There'll be a half game back if Cincinnati even loses to them on Sunday. Do I have that right? Yes, that's right. Okay. So Cincinnati would be 11 and five and Baltimore would be 11 and six. Yeah, I think Baltimore is such an interesting story. Like this team cannot matriculate the ball down the field with, without Lamar Jackson. And I don't know, do you play Lamar Jackson this Sunday if he's healthy? Or do you just say, listen, there's a very close to 0% chance Buffalo plays Cincinnati. So let's just stay healthy and move forward and, you know, figure out how to get healthy and get everybody healthy to, to play likely in Jacksonville. Um, I, I think Baltimore, should, in my opinion, should sit a lot of people. So, this, so game- this is this is an interesting scenario, and it adds to what you're talking about here. So Baltimore has to play before the Chargers this week. Oh, the Chargers can move up to the five seed. Ah, so if yes. the Chargers win against the Broncos... Baltimore yeah. is locked into the sixth seed. They I they see. cannot move up or down. But the thing is, uh, they won't get to know what happens to the Chargers before they play. Well, so, that is fascinating. I didn't, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't know that. So, yeah, I think Baltimore, either way, is, is in trouble because, let's face the facts, the Chargers, is this game in Colorado or is it down in it uh, is, Southern It Cal? is in Colorado. Well, there's a chance, right? I, I've seen crazier things transpire. It's the last game of the year. We've been been horrible. This is our Super Bowl. This is one of our key rivals. Not quite Kansas City, but they're still, you know, a rival of ours. It's not a sure thing, Kyle. It's not a sure thing that L.A. wins. How many times have the Chargers disappointed in – this is not a key (laughs) game. But it I grew I grew up in San Diego. The yeah, answer you know, is infinite. The answer yes, to your question is infinitely yeah. many times. This is a big game. This is a big game because don't you want to play Jacksonville as opposed to Buffalo or Cincinnati? Um, yeah, the answer is yes. I mean, I think I think this is a huge game for L.A. I think they will win. So let's go back to Baltimore. If you're assuming that the Cincinnati Buffalo game is not going to happen and you're going to assume the Chargers roll into Denver and win. I don't know. I, I just don't see how you play Lamar Jackson on Sunday. I think you I think you rest and then if yeah. you get if you luck into the five seed power to you, but it's out of your control, therefore just take advantage of what you can control. So I'm with you. Yeah, just sit people, get rested. Cause eat, like this was the scenario I was talking about weeks ago, which is 
six seed Baltimore, three seed Cincinnati. You're going to play the same team again next week. So just, it's fine. Just sit people, get healthy, use it as an evaluation for the game that actually matters next week. And I mean, the, the whole thing revolves around Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson just needs to be healthy for that one playoff game. And like I said, it, that they're if they're, it's out of their control. If the Chargers win, they're the sixth seed. It's the, it's locked in no matter what, win or lose against Cincinnati this week. So, yeah, Baltimore. I I'm sitting Lamar Jackson. Just the only game that matters is the playoff. The seeding is way, 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 way less important than having Lamar Jackson healthy. Whether you play the Jaguars, Titans, or Bengals, you're not beating any of them if you don't have Lamar Jackson. Regardless of whether you're playing the Titans, the Jaguars, or the Bengals, you're not. Maybe they could beat the Titans, but you're not really beating any of the three without Lamar Jackson. The only game that matters is Lamar Jackson being healthy for that wild card game. I agree. I I think, and going into the betting market here, uh, this may be the time to start thinking about taking teams like Cincinnati before the lines drastically jump on Saturday and Sunday morning. Um, I, I feel like Baltimore is not going to show their cards so that until probably, you know, right before they have to, I, I think you play Cincinnati. Now I, I'm going to assume that you almost look at Tyler Hundley and say, do we even play this guy? Do we play Huntley? I mean, what's the point of getting this guy hurt? Cause Lamar is not a sure thing ever with his health for the following week when they play likely at Cincinnati. So, or at Buffalo. So I, I, I think if you're Baltimore, man, you got you to gotta put down your cards and say, go ahead. We'll watch a little bit of this film, but we're going we're gonna to lay down. And uh, right now, the betting market probably is under. And I haven't even looked at the lines, Kyle. This is, I just haven't looked at week 18 lines quite yet. Um, if you can give me a line with, uh, with Cincinnati Baltimore, I'll guess the line. My assumption it's going to be close to a touchdown. I'll say Cincy 7 but it's probably going to get close to nine or nine and a half before kickoff. You hit it exactly right. Bengals okay, minus so, seven. Yeah. And that's with assumption that, that the books cannot rule out Jackson and they certainly are not ruling out Huntley, but I don't know if you agree with my point. Do you even play Huntley in this scenario? If you're not, I not think, playing I, Jackson, do you play Huntley? I think you have to play someone, um, but I don't. I, if you're resting starters, if you're like mass resting starters, yeah, play Anthony Brown instead of sure. Tyler Huntley because you should operate under the assumption that Huntley is your starter if Lamar is not healthy enough to play. Therefore, rest your starter. Hunt, Huntley is your your QB two emergency QB. Hundred percent, sh- it should be. But this is this is where these teams make decisions that shock you sometimes. So I'm on Cincinnati right now. I think you have to include them. Uh, in a money line parlay, um, I, I think they're probably easier to navigate than Buffalo as far as the scenario that would transpire on Monday Night Football. I feel like Cincinnati has a better chance to recover from this horrific situation than the Bills. That's obvious, right? It's not their teammate, but still pretty tough to deal with if you're the Bengals. But I trust Cincinnati a lot more than Buffalo. And I'm going to assume the Bills line is not that high because I think that I think that if you're taking this game, you have to consider the fact that the Bills are still very distracted. They may get down early, so that would really, really hurt their chances of covering. If there was no incident that transpired on Monday Night Football, I would make Buffalo 10.5 at home. So I'm going to drop this to 7 or 7.5 as well. The Bills should kill New England in normal circumstances. Uh, what is that line for Sunday afternoon? depending on where you're going, you can get Buffalo six and a half or Buffalo seven. There you go. And it should be because I don't feel like the bills can be a double digit favorite. I think they could come out in two, like we said, in two completely different directions, put the pedal to the metal. We're winning this game for him. And they're up 14, nothing with eight minutes to go in the first quarter, or it's just three, nothing new England going into the late uh, part, part of the first half tough to navigate this game it's a stay away from me there was one thing that you mentioned a little while ago that i wanted to circle back to before we moved on which is how the hell is pittsburgh going to make the playoff how is that even a possibility that is one of the five worst rosters in the nfl and they last year 
Yeah, <laughs> they have a better chance this year than last year going into week 18 to make the playoff. And their chances are pretty good. They need Buffalo to win a game they're favored and they need I, I'm going to guess the Jets are favored. Yeah, they need the Jets to win a game. The Jets are favored. The Jets are favored by two points in Miami. Yeah, so no, they have a chance. It, and I, I, I think they are the worst of, of the teams that are potentially seven seeds. I think they don't have they, they don't have the threats. Now, I'll give them this. Uh, their defense is playing very good, very good football over the last three to four weeks. We saw what they did to Indianapolis. They shut down the Vegas Raiders on Christmas Eve. They shut down Baltimore for the most part on Sunday night football. I think their defense is better than Miami and probably better than New England. But where are the points coming from? They don't score many points. And you're going to have to score in bunches to beat sincere Buffalo in normal circumstances. But I give Pittsburgh a 50-50 shot here. Maybe a little higher, which is crazy. But um, this just shows you how great of a coach Tomlin is. This guy just wins. Man, he wins uh, in, in December. He is the number one coach in the NFL over the last 10 years against the spread as an underdog by a mile. So uh, anytime Pittsburgh is a dog, you have to consider them when you're betting them. It's truly incredible what Pittsburgh has done this year because I I eulogized them and sent them off to the ether at two and six back in October. I was like two and six. They can't recover from that. They don't have the talent. And lo and behold, they've done basically what Tampa did at the end of 2019, where they just score. I mean, God, I can't believe that. I can't believe we're at this place where where the Steelers are going to make the playoffs in they just they need a couple things to go right, but the Steelers actually have a legitimate chance of making the playoff this year. For the second year know, in a row, they ruin our wild card weekend. Yeah, I think the Steelers do have talent on their offense as well. Fryermuth is a good tight end. I'll put Fryermuth in the top eight. I think Pickens and Johnson as a duo, not top ten, but they're not terrible. I mean, they're if they had a better the quarterback, their statistics would look better. Yeah, I mean, they they got a better offense. They have a sexier offense than Baltimore does, even with Lamar Jackson, maybe. Like, I mean, not not quite as sexy, but, man, I don't know. I mean, I don't have anyone that I trust except maybe a healthy Dobbins in that Baltimore lineup. That's for sure. Mark Andrews has had a horrible year this season. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if Pittsburgh is as bad as advertised. I think they're better than New England, though. Like, wouldn't you rather see Pittsburgh at Buffalo versus New England at Cincy or New England at Buffalo? I mean, I think I would. From a not gambling perspective, just quality of game, the way this defense is playing. Um, I don't think I, I think the best for America or I should say America, the world to watch is Miami in the playoffs yeah. with a healthy yeah. two. Miami's good because at least Miami has a top five offense. Like if you're picking Patriots, Steelers, and Dolphins. What's the best unit on the field between the the three teams? It's either New England defense or Miami offense, and maybe Pittsburgh defense. Um, I would least- rank it. Yeah, I would rank it Miami O, Pittsburgh D, New England D, and the in the one two three in my opinion. Yeah, so- I think Pittsburgh's D is playing well. I, I, I legitimately thought Miami was one of the, the four best teams in the AFC for most of the season. So I, I still think they're capable of that. And even if their offense plays kind of trashy, they might still have some big plays mixed in. So I think I'm with you on Miami, but also Tua is probably still going to be in the concussion protocol by the time we get to the the playoff game. It seems like his season's over. I mean, the, the Dolphins season might be over after this week, but it seems like not a great chance for Tua to play, but either way, I, I'd still, I guess, lean towards Miami. It's a seven seed. I mean, we can talk about the seven seed in the NFC and how little that has mattered all season. Like, it's a seven seed at the end of the day. They'll probably lose to probably Buffalo or Cincinnati. They'll probably lose that game, but at the same time, it'll be, it, it won't be the end of the world for. Uh, won't be the end of the world to have either of those three teams in there. I'm just baffled that the Steelers are even in consideration. <laughs> well, let's go to the NFC. When you say seven seed versus two seed, uh, this likely will be the Packers potentially at at San Francisco, what we saw last year. And mm-hmm. I, I think that San Francisco is in trouble against Green Bay. Green Bay's defense has finally 
started to come alive. But more importantly, more importantly, the special teams is probably the best unit right now in the NFL. The sample size over the last three or four weeks, by far, it is Green Bay. Now it's Purdy time in the playoffs against Aaron Rodgers. That's a tough seven seed. Would you agree with that for San Francisco? It's a horrific matchup. It is a very difficult. It's the most difficult matchup they could have gotten. And at the same time, San Francisco should be favored by like four and a half points, I would assume. But say they play, say they play uh, Seattle, they would have been eight and a half point favorites. So Green Bay is the most difficult matchup. San Francisco should still be able to win that game. I think they can because of their defense. I think their defense will stop the run. Um, I think their defense can certainly stop Rodgers. Rodgers is not having a great season. But if you're the 49ers, you want somehow Seattle to come to town. Because I think the Lions would score points on, 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 the, on the Niners. The Lions move mm-hmm. the ball very efficiently. It's a tough deal to be. I think Minnesota may be the big winner here. Uh, honestly, because here's, here are the giants coming to town, which I still, I think the giants have the worst roster in both the AFC NFC playoff picture. Yes. And then maybe just maybe green Bay knocks off San Francisco. And now you're hosting the round two against Dallas or Tampa. Not terrible. If you're Minnesota right now to be in that three hole. (laughs) <laughs> Minnesota ending up in the NFC championship game because of that would just be incredible. Just that everything breaks Minnesota's way so that they can end up in the NFC championship game. One game winner go home. I'd pick Minnesota against anyone. They're just absolute bullshit. It's crazy. And yeah, I think that I think Minnesota's kind of getting that path breaking right, assuming that San Francisco doesn't get the one seed. Now, Philadelphia, I think Hertz is going to come back. Giants are sitting everyone. So San Francisco is going to probably be locked into the two seed. But I mean, man, it would be so interesting to watch that matchup play out. And I mean, the, the, the thing about Green Bay, and I did this analysis on Thursday, in their first 12 games of the season, Green Bay forced 14 turnovers and had a negative turnover margin. In their last... Four games, they've forced 10 turnovers and have a plus eight turnover margin. So do you trust Brock Purdy to not turn the football over in a game against Green Bay? The time is coming. Yeah, the time is coming for Purdy to do this. And I think the worst the worst recipe is Aaron Rodgers in that defense coming to town. How about Dallas Tampa? Do you trust the Cowboys against this horrific Tampa team? But by the way, Todd Bowles. The most, the, the least inspiring coach I've ever seen on the sideline. Maybe one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. Uh, just, just, just a horrible coach. I mean, I hate to say this to you know about anybody, but I think he's terrible. And he said he's going to play his guys uh, in Atlanta on Sunday. Maybe first half. What is the point of that? Do you have any? Would you? I mean, do, do does Tom Brady no, not have enough playoff experience for you? There um, is no scenario where they're not going to be the four seed. They're already locked in. What What are we doing here? Um, you know, listen, Chris Godwin, I like to call him God Chriswin, hashtag uh, fantasy guru coming up with that name. That guy gets injured every, every five games. Something goes wrong for God. Well, what are we doing here? So I just want to go on that rant right there about Todd Bowles, one of the worst coaches I've ever seen in the NFL. Um do you trust uh, Dallas, whatever the number is, five, four, three and a half, four and a half, whatever the books make this uh, two weeks from now? Do you trust Dallas to go in there and cover the number? I don't. I don't trust Dallas's defense to be able to defend the passing game of Tampa. Because if they can put pressure on Brady with four, which is easier with Micah Parsons, easier said than done, but you have Micah Parsons power to you but like Tom Brady's really really good at not getting sacked he's really good at getting the ball out in two and a half seconds so I I would have said until last week Tampa is incapable of scoring 20 points in a game until they scored 21 in the fourth quarter against Carolina Um, so I think Tampa is going to be great at controlling time of possession even if they can't run the football and I mean it's not the perfect formula for Dallas they should be able to win the game I don't think it's a guarantee. I've been saying all season. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion that because we've known Dallas is going to play Tampa most likely for like 10 weeks now. We've kind of yeah. seen the writing on the wall. So, you know, we've had a lot of time to project this matchup. I'm like, 
it's not as easy as people think it is that they're going to win that game. Like Tampa is going to be able to pass the football against the Dallas defense and they're going to be able to control time of possession. And as long as they don't turn the ball over big, if as long as they don't turn the ball over, they're going to keep it close. And do you want to keep it close against Tom Brady in the bucks offense at the end of any football game? Nonetheless, a playoff game. Let me, let me go back to the Carolina game real quick, Kyle. Um, I think if you are using the sample size of – if you take away the missed assignments by Carolina on Mike Evans, this team is horrific, absolutely horrific. I don't care who's – I mean, Tom Brady is not fighting his target somehow. Some of these were drops, but – Mrs. Simons by the Carolina Panthers causing the game against Mike Evans. It's like, okay, one-on-one coverage, you got him, I got him, nope, nobody has it. You take away those three plays, uh, Carolina wins the game, bottom line, easily wins the game. I watched that whole game. I, I mean, I watched that in detail, and Tampa Bay was not the better team. It just happened to be they made a couple very good stops on defense. They got pretty lucky with that snap at the end of the game with that punt. That was incredible. Uh, by their punter to make that play, even though there was a flag, uh, it would have been declined, obviously, if it if it were blocked. But long story short, um, I, I think this Tampa offense is in trouble against any team, any team, even the Dallas Cowboys. I, I think Dallas wins this game. I don't know if I trust them to cover a big number, but I just don't see them making enough big plays on offense. Tampa Bay's offense is is a train wreck. It's not going the way it should be, but. I also subscribe to the fact that Tom Brady is human and he is, he's so old. I mean, like he is so old. I I cannot even imagine what it's like to be chased down by a 25 year old linebacker, 23 year old linebacker, Micah Parsons coming at you. I don't know how he gets away with it. And, And also look who Tampa Bay has played over the last few weeks. They have played bad opponents. Arizona squeaking by, Carolina squeaking by, New Orleans is not a great team. They should not have beaten New Orleans. Um, just, I, I, this is a, an interesting game. If Dallas wants to finally prove to, to the NFL and to fans that they are legitimate, you need to go down on Dale Mulberry Street in Tampa, Florida, Hillsborough County, and smack this Fugazi team in the mouth and win by 14. That's what needs to happen for Dallas but they're still the Cowboys, so I'm not sure I can I can trust them to do that. Don't ruin our Dallas versus Philadelphia second-round playoff matchup. It's going to be maybe, well, I mean, I guess Buffalo's going to play Cincinnati possibly that weekend, but it's probably going to be the best game of the weekend. Like, Cowboys and Eagles second-round playoff matchup needs to happen. It's going to be so much fun. And uh, it, doesn't, I, it, it, it doesn't happen if San Francisco loses, though. That That's, that's going to be interesting, right? Um, it will not happen. I think that obviously Dallas would move on to play uh, the, the Minnesota the or city, yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah that New York beats Minnesota. I mean, what what are you making the Giants line against Minnesota, knowing that they played two weeks ago and the Vikings escaped with a field goal win? I mean, where do you make that line? I, I think we make that four. Is that fair? I would have said three and a half. I would have said three okay. and a half for that one because like you said like I, I don't trust the vikings if the, I, i've been saying all year if the vikings could lose to literally anyone in the wild card and i would not be surprised they could lose to taylor heineke and i wouldn't have been surprised because that that team is so you call it fugazi that team has been so fugazi for like the the odds of them being uh what is it 12 and 4 right now the odds of them being nine and seven based on that Lions game where they came back at the end based on the Bills game and based on the 33 point comeback against the Colts. There's like a 98% chance they should be nine and seven and fighting for the division right now, nonetheless, being this wild card team. So, yeah, like three and a half is probably where I'd set the line for Minnesota in that game. It's probably right. And you just mentioned the Bills Viking game, Vikings game. So let's go back to that real quick. If the Bills, uh, put together the operation of taking a knee at the one yard line. The bills are the number one seeds in the AFC, regardless of what happened, uh, you know, with the Cincinnati game here. Um, that's incredible to me. If you, if you look back in time and you say to Josh Allen, uh, try to sneak the ball forward, um, 
and you'll be and you and you win this game and couldn't couldn't pull that off. Um, that's isn't that isn't that unbelievable that 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 we're sitting here today with a QB sneak that failed that would have put them at the one seed if they beat New England. Um, kind of kind of crazy to believe that. Packers or Lions could have won the NFC North this year. It's a very real possibility. It just uh, Vikings are ten and zero in one possession games, and they had a one in thirty eight thousand chance of winning those three games all at once. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. I, I, I think that the team that has the best chance for an upset if they make it in there is probably Green Bay. I, I think I think Minnesota will beat New York, and I think Cincinnati or Buffalo beats Baltimore and I think um I think Dow I think the two five seeds probably are road favorites. Where do we make yeah. Jacksonville LA? I mean are we making LA a short favorite in Jacksonville? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and uh I know this is I know that what the line says right now. I would I would take value on Titans to beat the Jaguars week eighteen. Oh wow. Okay. So you you like you like the uh the Titans obviously plus the points and a yeah. straight up win on Saturday night. I would take probably I would probably take Titans points and the Jaguars money line thing so like there's a scenario where you could win both basically. Sure. That's yeah, if I were a gambling person that's what I would do cuz I I think the I think the Titans might win that game outright. I think the Titans might win the AFC South over the Jaguars. How how do they beat them obviously with the run game, right? Is is are are you worried if you if you have a Jacksonville ticket to win the AFC South or win on the money line on Saturday night, is it just Derrick Henry going for 140, 150? Is that a major concern to you? I don't think they win with offense. I think they win with defense. So I think the bigger point yeah. is like the Jaguars finish with like 13 and lay an egg or um, they really put an emphasis on stopping Travis Etienne. That's probably the most likely game script. I think if the Titans are going to win, it's probably going to be one of these like 20 to 17 type of games. Cause I think with Derrick Henry, without Derrick Henry, they'll be able to generate enough offense with Joshua Dobbs. We saw that against the Cowboys. The problem was they just gave up 34 points to Dallas. Uh, if they're going to win, it's going to be one of those where they shut down Jacksonville's offense, which I know Jacksonville has been awesome the last eight weeks. I, I think that I, I see no reason to believe that team isn't capable of laying an egg against a good defense like the Titans. Yeah, and when 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 has Jacksonville over the last you know four years had to play for something? It's been a while when they made the playoffs and they beat Buffalo in the second round of the playoffs when they were pretty good. Um, they had an amazing defense with with Ramsey. Like when was the last time Jacksonville was putting themselves on the line in front of the na- in front of a national stage. It's been a while. So I could see that. I like that scenario of maybe laying an egg and taking the Jacksonville money line, but certainly backing up with Tennessee plus the points. I, I may, I may take your advice and, and the go, thing go that, that route. The, the thing that gives me validation, the Jaguars are minus 300 on the money line and a couple days before that game, cause it's on Saturday 89% of the bets are in on Jacksonville minus 300 at this point. So Vegas is also agreeing with me on Titans can win this game outright. I agree with you hundred percent. I think the liability for Vegas is clearly going to be the teaser money line parlay effect of Kansas city, Jacksonville on Saturday night. I mean, that, that, that's going to really cripple the books because that's a parlay that I normally like to cook up, but I do think that it's almost too square that if me and 7 million other people are going to have that same scenario, lead you to believe that something fishy may happen on Saturday night. So the, the Raiders, I mean, you probably would prefer taking the KC money line over Jacksonville money line. I would say. Yeah, no, Casey, Casey's going to win that game. No question with a one seat yeah. on the line. Yeah, no, they're going to win that game easy. Yeah. So I, I, I may, may stay out of the market of Jacksonville money line but emphasize the KC money line. Uh, maybe, maybe that's where you kind of partner up the Georgia Bulldogs, right? The correlated um, mm-hmm. game for Saturday and Monday, try to get them together somehow. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I think Jacksonville is bound to lay an egg and it could happen on uh, Saturday night. And then you would see a boring 
Tennessee team once again post the playoff. <laughs> the pyramid scheme AFC South, which just exists to siphon money from ESPN. They're doing it twice this year. ESPN's paying $80 million for the rights to t- Titans Jaguars in week 18, and then they're going to pay another $100 million for uh, whatever Chargers and Titans or Chargers and Jaguars in the playoff game this year. So the, the AFC South exists to siphon money away from the from ESPN. Well, we'll be watching, though. So they they know we'll be watching, and uh, so will the world, regardless of who plays. But I, I would rather see Jacksonville. I think this offense is pretty exciting right now. I mean they 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 have a good they have a good team. I mean I was really impressed the way they played against Houston um, that first half. I mean listen, you know everyone has struggled with the Texans at times. <laughs> you know Kansas City has, and and decent teams have, and Jacksonville just move the ball with ease and it didn't even seem like they had to try very much to do that. I think this is trying Trevor Lawrence is somewhat legit. And I think he has a cast of characters with ETN and Kirk and other guys that, um, and, and the, the reemergence or actually the first time we've ever seen Evan Ingram play good football. So, um, I think this is a, a, a team that can beat LA. Maybe they should, if they can for sure, but can they win at Kansas city or Buffalo? I don't know about that. That's asking a lot, but still a team that is uh, playing good football. Uh, I'm excited for uh, what, 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 what is going to happen on Saturday night. He is Razor Rosenthal. You can check him out over at Beer Life Sports and Beer Life Official. He's getting ready for the weekend. And uh, Razor, thanks as always for giving us your time and your insights and your expertise. Enjoy the championship games. Enjoy week 18. We'll reconvene either next week or after the first round of the playoffs. Appreciate it, Kyle. Apologize for audio issues, but I'm sure you'll clean that up. Good luck to everybody uh, this weekend as we have a huge slate of college hoops, a little bit of tennis, and of course, week 18 in the NFL. Should be fun.